Hello, Canucks fans, and welcome into a special edition of the Canucks Speakeasy Podcast, episode 45. And we're doing the game recap of what was quite likely not only the best Canucks game of the season, but probably the best Canucks games in a couple of years. I'm Pete. And I'm Doug. And we're just going to jump right into this recap game three of the Canucks Wild, which the Canucks just won 3 nothing this afternoon at a rare 11.30 a.m. start. The Canucks traditionally not faring very well in afternoon games, but obviously this was a little bit different, eh, Doug? Yeah, uh, obviously, like, I had to work today, so I was in the office, uh, unfortunately, uh, I was battling TVs after the first period. Uh, I was able to watch the majority of the first period, by which, by all accounts, wasn't the Canucks' best period. Uh, and then, for whatever reason, like probably five minutes before the second period start, every TV in at work just shit the bed. Um, so I didn't get to catch a lot of the second or third period. I was able to get a little bit of it on my phone. Um, but I'm still ready to talk about it because regardless of not being able to watch it as closely as you or a lot of other people out there, uh, there's a lot of things I'd like to talk about. There's certainly a lot to unpack with this. I mean, as a Canucks fan, there was really, I mean, there, there's so many positives from this. Uh, it, it, it started with, with the insertion of Zach McEwen into the lineup today. I mean, obviously we knew Michael Furland was out, Tyler Toffoli's out, and all of a sudden the three bubble forwards who weren't in game one are all in the lineup and contributing. And that's for Tannen, Erickson and McEwen. Yeah. Uh, I didn't see the stat line and how many minutes McEwen, uh, ended up with, but he played well in the limited minutes. I saw Didn't he draw the first, uh, power play opportunity for the Canucks? I believe he did. Um, and there was another, I remember there was a scrum, I think it was Beagle and a couple of Minnesota players and McEwen was like on his way to the bench and he was looking back as if like he was ready to go back. If it was getting a little, a little too heady there to give uh, Beagle a hand. So Zach McEwen played five minutes, which was lowest on the team. Antoine Roussel was next lowest at 522 and he had a goal to show for that. But what McEwen did in his five minutes is he did tie for the team lead in hits. And that was with JT Miller and Tyler Myers. And Tyler Myers, bit of a game. JT Miller, a bit of a game. They were both noticeably physical as well out there. Uh, yeah, like I said, I didn't get to catch a lot of the second period. I did see the physicality, uh, some highlights uh, with uh, JT Miller. And I believe he got into a fight, didn't he, to kind of stand up for uh, Petey? Well, it's hard to say what was actually a fight in the game. I mean, no one actually got a fighting penalty. The closest to a fight was JT Miller, who did get the gloves off, but he still only got two out of it. Myers continues his trip to the penalty box. So he had three more minors tonight. That's six minors in the last two games. But I will say, in a bit of Myers' defense, I was pretty hard on him last game. A couple of his penalties I'm okay with today. He was physical. He was roughing guys up. Uh, they're, they're calling everything. I mean, there was 14 power plays in this game after 13 in the last game. It's a physical series out there. But not as hard on Myers. He brought something. All, all these vets really had strong games, and it was, it was really quite fantastic to see the young guys do what they're supposed to do, and then the vets surround them and give them that cushion, which is something that I've been saying for God knows how long, is that, yeah, we have a lot of these vet-heavy contracts, but come postseason, it could make a big difference. Yeah, like... I've been a guy that has wanted to get rid of Brandon Sutter for probably a year and a half, maybe even two years now. Um, but, you know, a lot of people today thought this was probably Brandon Sutter's best game as a Canuck. 
Um, I don't think he got on the score sheet, but that wasn't the point, right? I mean, all the things you've been hearing management and coaching staff sell the fans on the intangibles that Brandon Sutter brings to the team. Well, tonight we finally saw that displayed, which is nice. I don't know if it was worth the term and the money we've been paying Brandon Sutter to wait this long to see it, but you know what? Good on him. Uh, he was a force out there. He made uh, Fiala's life a living hell by the sounds of it. He was sticking up for teammates. He was blocking shots. He was good on the penalty kill. And that's the other thing. I mean, the Canucks penalty kill right now is really looking good. I know they gave up uh, a few power play goals the first game to the Wild. But even those first goals, like like I said, I still think Marky should have had that first goal that was scored. But they played really well. And I think the Canucks as a whole defensively have played well. And that fits into those veteran guys like a Louis Erickson, a Brennan Sutter, uh, a Jay Beagle, which I haven't heard too much about Beagle tonight. But that's probably a good thing if you don't hear a lot about Beagle. Beagle had a solid game. And I mean, the the Wild now are 0 for 13 on the power play the last two games. The guy that really had a hell of a game, though, is Tyler Mott. And everyone on Canucks Twitter and even on the post game on Sportsnet afterwards was raving about Tyler Mott's play. I mean, this guy was just everywhere. And I've always liked Tyler Mott. And I've said he was a must to be in there for the fourth line of the playoffs. He just had a, a game. And everywhere you look, there was Tyler Mott hustling, 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 hitting, getting into it. He was irritating the heck out of those point men on the Minnesota power play. But Tyler Mott, all sorts of hustle today. Yeah, I mean, that's good to hear. I mean, I know you and I have been championing Mott on the fourth line and just what he brings to the team all year. And, uh, you know, he again, he's not like... He's not like a high-skilled guy or a guy that is going to help you win a series. But, you know, they are those guys that you need. Every team needs a Tyler Mott. Um, and it's nice to see Mott getting some recognition from the fans and from the media, the local sports media, because he definitely deserves it. And I know Benning was criticized pretty badly for the Vanek trade at the time because um, Vanek did have a great year. And I, the thought was we could probably get more than, you know, Tyler Mott. And I believe we got a late pick. I, I could be wrong. Um, but you know what? The trade's looking better and better uh, as the years have gone on. And uh, yeah, good on Tyler Mott. Yeah, and what was going on with the bottom six today was actually a useful bottom six. They didn't contribute on the score sheet at all, but you look at the score sheet, it's the names you want to see just all over it. It's a whole lot of Pedersen, Besser, and Hughes, and how nice was that for Brock Besser scoring the goal today, pointing to the heavens. That reminded me a lot of Alex Burroughs on this, the six-year anniversary of his friend Ty passing away. He was emotional in the post game as well. Uh, but Besser scoring that goal as well and the way he scored it in front of the net. Besser, again, like just having a healthy Brock Besser, the guy who's almost been a bit of a forgotten man in the Canucks land because we've, since he was nominated for the Calder, we've had two more people nominated for the Calder. And he's kind of gotten lost in the shadows of, of Pedersen and Hughes. But all three of those guys were amazing tonight. And they all three logged over eight minutes of power play time as well. Yeah, I mean, I think with Besser, like that, it was that game against, I believe, the New York Islanders where he suffered that really bad injury to kind of end his uh, his rookie year, and he didn't really look the same last year. He still looked like he was off a bit. His timing wasn't great, and he just he looked like he was a step behind. Uh, and even to the beginning of this year, like he looked better, but he still didn't look great. 
Um, but the time off, you know, it sounded like he really worked on staying in shape and, you know, getting his cardio up and his skating looks really improved. He's never been a terrible skater, but he's definitely hasn't been a great skater. But, you know, you see him flying out there and uh, he's extremely noticeable. And to get a goal, like a greasy goal like that in front of the net, you know, and he's falling in front of the net and, you know, shovels home the backhand. Almost reminds me a little bit of like that Ovechkin goal from years past. You know, the crazy one where Ovechkin's falling and he does the behind the net there, behind the back thing. Similar to that. Um, but yeah, you, you love to see it, man. I mean, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You know, Brock is my favorite current Canuck. Um, but obviously, Petey and Hughes are right there. Uh, it was really nice to see. And obviously, it was an emotional moment for Besser. And, uh, you know, he, I think the team and him really, uh, uh, really thrived off of that. Despite all the uh, power play time and success, the Canucks again had trouble breaking into the zone. Uh, some really terrible zone entries on the power play. They did get a power play goal, but it took a little while for them to get the whole thing set up. So that's something, I, I don't know if it's so much them overthinking or if it's Minnesota just being really aggressive. The Canucks are really aggressive on the PK as well, but that's certainly something to to watch moving forward is is how the Canucks break in and, and what they're doing against the Wild because I just got a, a ton of notes here where it just keeps saying PP zone entry PP zone entry it's just there's a it was a re- recurring theme throughout the game on that front um, also nice to see the the pushback a couple of times uh, Petey uh, during the game he ends up hurting Nick Felino on one play uh, as well and then Sorry, is it Nick or Marcus? I always forget which one plays in Minnesota. I think it's Nick Felino in Minnesota. Yeah, I always get the Felinos confused. They're one of those hockey lineages like Sutters and Stastny's that, that always just throw me off. But, you know, when uh, when Petey got hit by Hartman there, Miller jumps right in there. Um, Petey's playing physical and just he's he's not falling down easily. He's holding his own. He's hitting. He's getting into it. It's great to see. And. You know, the way that I still also just laughing at speaking of Sutter, how he did not get a penalty for attempted murder there on Kevin Fiala. <laughs> that was something else. I think it was, oh, I can't even remember who got the penalty out of that dog pile. I think it was Stetcher, who Stetcher had a had really good game, by the way, I thought as well. Stetcher was blocking a lot of shots, and very quietly, he also had a solid game. But Sutter just getting in there and mugging, and the Canucks getting under Kevin Fiala's skin tonight, and it was noticeable. Yeah, that's nice to see, because generally this incarnation of Canucks they don't usually play like that they're not that team that you know kind of gets under uh, another star player's skin and you know kind of plays that rough and tumble game you know this Canuck team is usually you know trying to run you off the ice and outscore you which they did tonight and they played well but I thought again I didn't get to see a lot of the game but I tried to you know stay on top of what was happening as much as I can you know as as great as you know a three nothing win is for the Canucks it seems like it was actually their defensive play that really kind of solidified the win tonight for them and again another guy that I think is worth bringing up is Alex Edler man I mean the dude has just been I mean look he was I would still say he's been the best defenseman but Edler has been a close second Edler's being solid. Actually, to be honest, the entire blue line core was was really solid. And there were some eyebrows raised when Olio Levy took the pregame skate today. But I think that's just, you know, get him to put the pads on and just see what that's all all about. Uh, the Canucks won through six defensively. And I mean, you put up a, a donut on the scoreboard, then 
obviously they had a solid game, but they really did. Alex Edler looks great. You could tell he's the leader out there a couple of times. He's just, he goes right into the scrum. He's right there. He's not afraid to mix it up. Uh, really leading by example. He's, uh, it's, man, it's great to see Alex Edler in playoff form. Uh, I'm loving it. And some of the other guys uh, on the back end too, I know I mentioned Myers before, but he was, he was hitting uh, Tanev was blocking shots. Uh, Fantenberg was making actually a couple nice outlets. And I know I mentioned this before, but he was one of the better defensemen at moving the puck out of his zone. Uh, Stetcher, very quietly, I thought, had a solid game. He was blocking shots. He was getting into it. Uh, he was he was playing physical for a guy who's not that big. But, yeah, full props to the blue line tonight. I mean, the blue line, to say that they're, they're, they can't afford an injury is, is probably true. I mean, I know everyone in Canucks land would like to see Ole Yolevi get in there. But after Yolevi, there's there is a bit of a drop without Jordy Ben in there. So great work by the Canucks blue line. Uh, and... Going into from the blue line into goal, Jacob Markstrom. Uh, again, there's a lot of talk before the games like we need Markstrom to steal this one, or at least not to steal, but just to have a game. And Markstrom, while there wasn't a lot of dazzling saves, he had a game. Yeah, I mean, Markstrom and the Canucks still haven't given up a goal five on five to Minnesota in this series. Um, Markstrom's been solid. Like, there's been a couple of questionable goals. Like I said, nothing like to raise alarm bells off of. And even the first uh, game of this play-in series where the Canucks lost, I don't put the blame on that loss on Markstrom. Sure, he should have had that first goal, but you know what? If your team in front of you is not scoring goals, you have no chance at winning. Um, Markstrom was really good uh, last game. I thought. I thought he was really good tonight by all accounts as well. Gets the shutout. I remember it was Markstrom was like, it seemed like it was like years into his professional career when he finally got his first career shutout in the regular season. He hadn't had one for, I think it was like almost 100 games into his career, and he finally got his first career shutout. And then, you know, for him, his third postseason game, we'll call it, because it's technically not a playoff game, uh, he gets a shutout. So congratulations to Markey. And, uh, you know, I am a little bit worried about uh, what this could do with contract negotiations. But hey, you know what? Let's live in the now and not yeah, worry about the future. I don't want to think about that. And these stats, by the way, they do count as playoff stats. So that is technically a playoff shutout for Markstrom. They are, they're counting all these play-in and round-robin games as playoff stats. So Markstrom, first playoff shutout. The other end, Alex Stalock, he, uh, he, had a, he had a decent game. He made that great save on Bo Horvat on the two-on-one, although in fairness, Bo Horvat pretty much just shot it right into his glove. But... What I did like to see is twice, Roussel and Erickson, and they both took penalties on it, but they both hit Staylock. And again, that's something that usually the Canucks are on the receiving end of that. It always seems that our goalies are getting roughed up, and it's just the other way around. The Canucks were going after the goalie. They were going after the top scorer. And I mean, the stat line, it still says it was 39-21 to and the hits for the Wild. It sure didn't feel like that, though, uh, at all. Yeah, I don't know who keeps track of the hits for the NHL, but I don't know... Sometimes games where you think there's a lot more hits, there's like very few. And the games that you feel like there's not a lot of hits, they've got 20, 30 hits for that team. So again, I don't know who's in charge of that statistic, but it, you know, it, it seems kind of weird from game to game. Uh, question for you, Pete. Do you think Staylock gets uh, the game tomorrow or do they go to Dubnik? Uh, geez, I don't know. Back-to-back nights, maybe they go with Dubnik just to try and 
get the team going. Uh, Stalock wasn't bad by by any means uh, throughout the game. The Canucks were working a lot of deflections uh, on him as well. That was something that they were really looking for was uh, was shots on the point, deflections, and there's a couple odd man rushes. Um, I, I certainly don't think on Minnesota's case you can put it on Stalock. However, maybe in a back-to-back situation, maybe they try and spark the team and put in Dubnik. So uh, it's it's a, it'll be interesting to see. I, I really... Jeez, it's tough to tell these days what's going to happen. The other thing with Minnesota right now is what's going on with Ryan Suter is he did not play the last seven minutes of that game. And I know uh, Susie also got injured and he did come back, but all of a sudden there's some uh, bruises on the Minnesota back end as well. Oh, I missed that. I didn't know that Suter uh, was out for the last uh, few minutes of the game there. That's interesting. Did he block a shot or they didn't really say during the telecast? No, they just said uh, when you, that you look at at his stats and someone pointed out they haven't seen Suter for a while and you look and he, for about the last seven minutes of action, he didn't hit the ice. So uh, that's really all, all we know at the moment, but that's going to be something else to, to watch. And uh, again, some of these guys uh, on Minnesota are also getting banged up. They haven't had anyone really knocked out of the series or yet like the, the Canucks have, but again, this is, uh, I, I go back to what we were talking about at the beginning with, with forward depth and it is not a bad thing to have an extra line of players going into the playoffs and there was even talk that maybe there was another injury maybe Frusell couldn't play all of a sudden you're looking at a guy like Justin Bailey who could be in the lineup which just did not even seem to be a thought but right now Adam Gaudet it sounds like isn't injured he was he was in the pregame skate so Gaudet would be next man up but all of a sudden right now Bailey's your number two so it, it is important to have that depth yeah uh that's the one thing, like I said, you know, uh, the Canucks going into this series seemingly have that depth where if a guy or two get injured up front, which we've seen in this series so far with the Toffoli injury and the Furland injury, that guys can step in and be prepared to play that intense playoff style hockey, uh, which we've seen. I mean, a lot of people, I know Thomas Trant said this because uh, he's been in the stadium to watch a lot of these games, that the, out of all the games he's seen, obviously in the Edmonton bubble, that the Vancouver-Minnesota series has been probably the most physical. Uh, I mean, the game last night between Chicago and Edmonton, while it was very entertaining, it's a track meet. Um, And the physicality between the Canucks and the uh, Wild has been really good. It's it's felt like that one real playoff series uh, so far. And it's nice to see that the Canucks are one of the teams doing that because one of the criticisms we've all had with the Canucks is their lack of fight back and the lack of standing up for one another and to kind of get physical. Even I hearken back to the 2011 team, which was a great team, and they did have physical guys like, you know, Ryan Kessler and obviously Alex Edler is a physical player that I think a lot of people, uh, you know, under realize how physical he can be and Max Torres, Rafi Torres, Kevin BXA, BXA as well. But you know, a lot of, at least the mandate for that team seemed to just kind of keep your head down and play as opposed to trying to actually, you know, run the goalie, which again, I would have liked to see a couple of Canucks back in 2011 run Tim Thomas, uh, for a number of reasons, but it's nice to see the Canucks are playing this type of game and are being physical and kind of almost pushing the physical edge with Minnesota. Well, even the commentators, uh, sorry, the panel for Sportsnet at the second intermission with with Ron and, and Cassie and, and Frege and uh, all those guys, they were saying how this is the most playoff-like series, not just in the West, but in the entire league. And I don't think 
even myself, I wouldn't have said that going in. I wouldn't have said, oh, this is the one that looks like it's going to be a playoff series. But it is a, a grinding series. Elliot Friedman just keeps raving about it. He just loves this series. He says it's the most physical, the most hard-hitting, the most playoff-like series. And I think that's because both teams really have something to prove. I think the Canucks know that they, there's only a, a small window where this team is together, where the vets are there and they got the young guys there. And the vets know that, hey, you know, if we get hot, we could maybe ride this and do something. And Minnesota on the other side is like, we're not getting any younger and our division is probably the toughest in hockey right now. So we got to make the most of this right now. I think both teams are really playing for something, but I, even I'm surprised though, that out of all the series, this one is as physical as it is. And this feels like as now that we're a couple games in and the rust is starting to wear off, you're starting to see, you look at the score sheet and you say, oh, it was uh, the Quinton Hughes and Elias Pettersson and Brock Besser show. And really that was, they were just a piece of the whole puzzle. They were a cog in the wheel. It was it the guys that everyone was talking about right after the game wasn't those guys necessarily. It was Markstrom, Mott, Sutter, Edler, you know, it was it was up and down. Even Roussel, who played limited action, scored a goal, but he was getting right into it. And I think they limit him a, a bit just because of that great shiner he's got. But again, he's there at the post game, sitting there with Quinn Hughes. And it's a great look for the team. You got the young stud defenseman next to this grizzled French vet with a black eye. I'm like, you know what? That's that's the kind of image you want to see from the team right now. That's what I want to be portraying as a Canucks fan is like, Hey, yeah, we've got one of the best skilled defensemen in the league, but we also got guys like this who we know the rest of the league hates who already just a few days into the playoffs looks like a warrior. The other guy I wanted to ask you about Pete, uh, again, cause I was fighting with the TVs at work, uh, was how did Jake look this game? Because he didn't look great the last game. I mean, he was okay. But, you know, was Jake physical? Was he a lot more noticeable this game compared to game two? Jake was fine. There was nothing really – I can't really think of anything offensive in his game today. But he also wasn't a defensive liability. You didn't really notice him a lot. Uh, There's a couple times I did notice him breaking through the neutral zone with the puck and carrying it, which was nice because uh, a lot of the guys weren't doing that. He was getting PP2 time as well, usually back on the right point or the right boards. Um, nothing crazy about his game. Another guy we haven't talked about, the Louis Erickson, who also came in last game. Solid game from Erickson, I thought, too. I, again, the guy has uh, no offensive talent, it feels like, anymore. There's a couple <laughs> times where he just just can't hold on to the puck. However, he can still skate really well, and he was still excellent on uh, the forecheck and excellent on the kill. And that line, for whatever reason, Bo Horvat has even said, is like, we, being him and Tanner, they like playing with Louis and they, they play better with Louis on that line. So for whatever it is, Louis Erickson as well, uh, is insert him in there, make fun of the cap hit all you want. But on the ice today, he was effective, uh, for Tannen. Uh, I'm, I'm looking at it. I mean, he got almost twice as many minutes as Roussel and, uh, and McEwen did, but I also think that's just partially because of the power play time for Tannen did get a couple of minutes of power play time in there as well. So, um, nothing crazy out of Jake. It looks like they, he did get one shot on goal. They credit him with a couple hits as well. He took a penalty. Um, but overall, not a, not a bad game. And obviously with the way things are going with the Canucks up front, he'll certainly be in the lineup tomorrow night. Yeah, and it's a quick turnaround for the Canucks as well. And again, look, the series isn't over. So I really hope tomorrow the Canucks are even, you know, better than they were today. Because 
again, I was able to watch the entirety of the first period. They were a little bit slow and sloppy out of the gate. I believe they had only generated two shots on goal within the first 10 minutes of the first period. Um, yeah. It was a very positive game today, and obviously, you know, they got the result that, you know, we were all hoping they we wanted from them. But, you know, they can't sleep on the game tomorrow. They need to be ready to play tomorrow. I, it's a 7.30 start or 7.45 start tomorrow, which is nice. Uh, gives the Canucks a chance to, uh, you know, get a little bit of extra rest after that early game today. And I'm excited to see, uh, you know, what happens. Uh, another question for you, Pete. Uh, who do you want to play if we do beat Minnesota tomorrow? What is the team you're eyeing up for the next round that you'd like to play? I, I hate these questions, but I, it's an easy answer for me. And first of all, the Canucks only had one shot in the first eight and a half minutes and also came out slow early in the second. So that's something. They came out great in the third, but tomorrow Minnesota is going to be coming out hard. Canucks need a faster start. But I certainly, out of the teams that the Canucks could play, without a doubt, Dallas is the one I would like to play. Uh, and Vegas is actually probably the one I'd least want to play, although Colorado is right in there. Dallas would be the preferred one, and the Blues would actually be my second choice. The Canucks play the Blues harder than they do uh, Vegas. Vegas is always tough on us. Um, so, yeah, I'd go in order for myself. Dallas is preferred, then St. Louis, then Colorado, then Vegas. What about yourself? Uh, pretty close. I would only switch St. Louis and Colorado. I know it's kind of crazy to want to play Colorado, um, but I would rather play Colorado than St. Louis personally. And then Vegas, yeah, I'd want to avoid like the plague. Uh, I don't want to play Vegas in the next round uh, whatsoever. Um, Colorado, like I said, I still think Colorado is a similar-ish team to the Canucks. And, you know, they're still really young. And, you know, they have some veterans there to kind of like help with that playoff intensity. Um but the Blues, they do scare me just with their physicality. And obviously going on that deep run they did last year. And I honestly think out of almost all the teams, the long extended break has helped. It's probably the Blues. Because, you know, you always have that Stanley Cup hangover. And I, I do think this extra bit of rest between the regular season ending and the play-in series beginning is probably uh, helped the Blues more than anyone else. Well, I think this is a dangerous conversation. I'm, I'd rather wait and talk about this until... We see what happens with the next series. It's uh, we still got we still got to get through Minnesota and the Canucks have been in the last time the Canucks were in a situation where they could eliminate a team. They lost two in a row. So uh, one of the last times it was it the last time that I think it was 2011 was the last time they were up three two in a series. Um, so regardless, I don't want to get too far ahead of myself. I think Minnesota is going to come out hard tomorrow. They have to. Minnesota came out hard, like I said, in the first two periods, and it wasn't really until early in the third, and Roussel got that breakaway, and that really changed the tide. And then the Canucks all of a sudden, because Minnesota had to open up more, and that's what resulted in the really nice two-on-one goal for uh, Pedersen from Hughes, and also the good chance on Horvat from Miller. So I, I think tomorrow it's, it's still going to be one hell of a battle, though. So, but looking forward, I'm, I'm I'm more happy to talk about that once we see what happens tomorrow night, and if there's another game as well that we need to get through. Yeah, and also worth mentioning is the phase two of the lottery draft will be Monday as well. So I'm really interested to see uh, where Lafreniere ends up. Um, hopefully, the Canucks uh, beat Minnesota, and uh, that pick can just go to Jersey because uh, I don't want to have to worry about it <clears throat> heading into next year when we have not. We theoretically might have an opportunity at another Hughes brother. Um, but uh, yeah, no, I agree with you. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but it's just, again, I, I like to just peek over the horizon and just see what's out there. 
Uh, it's a dangerous game. Uh, for, for me right now, it's focusing on mini tomorrow and, uh, um, and what they're going to do. I mean, they have home ice advantage again tomorrow. Obviously, all, all the games are in Edmonton. But they were matching up their third line, which I, I like the makeup of their third line. It's a, it's a good third line. Erickson Eck, Greenway, and Felino. That's a, that's a hard-hitting third line. 660 pounds on that third line. And they're matching them up against the lotto line. And it was tough for that line to get a lot of open ice against them tonight. And so that's the other thing is that tomorrow, Mini still has the matchups. And if Minnesota gets a lead, watch out. It's going to be tough. It's going to be uh, the Canucks have been fortunate that since the game, end of game one, they haven't had to play from behind at all. So hopefully the PK stays strong and hopefully they can prevent the wild from coming out too hard because they're going to be coming out hard tomorrow yeah uh again i definitely excited for the game tomorrow um i'm a huge win for the canucks tonight i'm extremely happy even though i didn't get to watch the game as intently as i was hoping um but i definitely wanted to talk about it and i definitely love doing these game recaps with you pete uh getting that content out there for all the fans and once again, you know, we always appreciate everyone liking and uh, listening to uh, our little podcast we have here. Yeah, for sure. We've kind of carved out our, our little corner of the, the Canucks world here. So thanks for thanks for tuning in and giving us a listen. And you can follow us on the Twitter machine at Canucks Speak. You can follow myself on Twitter at Pete underscore Gas. Uh, give me a follow on Twitter at Doug Venn. And the funky jam that just came in now uh, will be added to the Canucks Speakeasy playlist on Spotify. Give that a follow as well. And as always, thanks for listening. Hasta luego.